And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at the University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you guys can get a podcast. Please give us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. And it actually makes us more visible to anybody looking for the podcast. I'm your host, Kamiar Moravian, joined by my co-hosts today in Jack Shields and Stephen Brown. And Jack, how's, how's life been treating you? How's, how was your 4th of July? Oh, it's good. Yeah, I've got to uh, hang out with a little bit of family. It was obviously a smaller celebration this year because we couldn't have friends over. We just decided to limit it to family this year because of COVID and all that. But uh, still a lot of fun sitting by the pool watching fireworks and stuff like that. But uh, I think I'm finally recovering from the whole weekend. I, you know, being outside for so long, once you hit your 30s, drinking outside two days in a row is like a five-day hangover. <laughs> Take a lot out of you, apparently. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm fine now. I'm, I'm drinking some sangria with cotton candy grapes in it. Cotton, <laughs> Pretty wait, delicious. Hold on, hold on. Cotton candy grapes? Have you never had a cotton candy grape? I've never heard of that in my life. Culture yourself, Kamiar. Come up to the north so. side and go to Trader Joe's <laughs> and get yourself some cotton candy grapes and drink it with sangria. Like, are, are they kinds of grapes that you can just like eat? Like, like a normal oh, yeah, grape? Yeah. No, no, no. It's just a normal grape that like has like a sweetness to it. That's basically oh. it. It sort of tastes like cotton candy. And That's we had them in the freezer. And our ice machine right now is not working. And our <clears throat> tray was not full. We didn't have time. So we just used, used these frozen grapes. Oh. The cotton candy variety. Very resourceful. I should be applauded for this. Are right? they like as it nutritious? Was my girlfriend's idea. So not are they as nutritious food. as regular grapes? I don't know. Something <laughs> tells me no on that one. <laughs> I'm gonna go with no. But whatever. Steven, how was your Fourth of July? How's your week been going? It was good. Uh, someone lent us their house that had a pool and everything, so we had a small, uh, small gathering. Uh, there's a little bit more than six people, but less than ten. So that's good. Um, we obeyed the laws a little bit. Um, wore masks on the way down. Um, the thing, it was hot. It was mm-hmm. hot up in Edmond. I yeah. think. I think by four o'clock, we were kind of like, we should maybe go inside for maybe like an hour or two, um, kind of decompress, and then we'll go back outside when it gets a little bit cooler. But overall, good experience. Yeah, it was good. Did you stay hydrated? Uh, yeah, on a few substances. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Beer, water. Beer, water. Shower beer, maybe. Shower Love beer. Love a shower beer. Yeah, I learned now, about guys, if I recall yeah. correctly, the last time that all three of us were on a podcast together, I broke a chair in my <laughs> I found yeah, that picture. You did. You did? Uh, yeah, the oh, you got to send that to me. God. That chair, yeah. it, it sat there for like a couple months. I was <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was there for a while. It was there for a minute. Just in pieces? Yeah. Yeah, yeah just in pieces. Oh, I, was, I, I kept looking at it and getting an anxiety attack. I was like, Dude, I don't want to deal with this. All those shards. No, thank you. Gosh. But anyway, I, I ended up finally getting rid of it. But wasn't that like it, your your uncles or great? No, my my members? great grandparents. So sorry, great grandparents. They were it broke when I got too worked up about Mike Stoops on a podcast. You <laughs> don't know what a podcast is, but <laughs> happens to the best of us. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, man. Fourth of July was it was interesting. Like you know, a lot of a lot of cities closed down their 
firework displays uh, and you saw like a lot of local ones or people just randomly popping them off. But I think Edmund saw there's going maybe. I, uh, I know more still had there's going, but they uh, they chose to shut down several other things throughout the day. Uh, I went to my sister's house in Moore, and since they're so close to the park, we just sat in their front yard with some family members and watched the fireworks. It was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, pretty pretty positive experience. I turned 29 July 3rd. Hell yeah. So, man, uh, my last year in my 30s back to back. happening during a pandemic. So it's, uh, it's great. My, my mom used to tell me when I was a kid that all the, f- the fireworks were for my birthday. And then now, she's, now she's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> is that relationship but, broken now pretty pretty much it's not it's built on lies definitely but uh yeah guys today we're going to talk about some fourth of july fireworks for the sooners which only two guys committed to the sooners um a couple things went on behind the scenes and like we're just expecting several uh, just a big july and early august maybe for the sooners um so talk talking about what other leagues um other conferences are doing regarding covid19 in how the other Power Five conferences might adjust their schedules accordingly. Some OSSAA stuff regarding high school stuff. I've been talking to some local coaches at smaller schools and the biggest schools in Oklahoma and talking about their thoughts and also ramifications of that. A game that I just kind of put together and uh, just some random other things. So let's get started. Fourth of July fireworks. Caleb Williams and Latrell McCutcheon both commit to the University of Oklahoma. Uh, Caleb Williams, of course, is the number one quarterback. They have him on like CBS or whatever. And they're like, all right, who are you going to play for? And they play a long commitment video. You feel like it's lasting forever, especially <laughs> after some Maryland Terrapin fans were really making some noise the night before. Uh, and that was hours after Latrell McCutcheon threw horns down and started talking crap on the Longhorns. Um, but let's go with you, Stephen, first. How do you feel about both of these signings? Of course, these are both top 100 guys. One's a top five guy, but... You know, what are you expecting from these guys when they get on campus? I think the Caleb Williams announcement, I think there's a little bit of, I mean, we kind of knew it was coming. So that, you know, kind of killed it a little bit, um, waiting the whole like five months for an announcement. Yeah, worst kept secret in, in yeah, of pretty ever. much. So, um, no, it's a big signing. Uh, number one quarterback in the class. He's a guy that um, I think a lot of people look at his little uh, impromptu plays as more like Baker. I think that's a good comparison. A lot of people are comparing to Russell Wilson with his running ability. So I think it's a good comp. He's a guy that's going to challenge Spencer Rattler. And if you look at Georgia, you keep signing these QBs, um, one of them's going to kick the other out. So um, let's say Spencer Rattler wants to stay another season. I think that's where it gets interesting. But so far, Oklahoma's uh, quarterback room is absolutely stacked. And so, Jack, tell me what you think about the signing of Latrell McCutcheon, you know. One of my favorite signings, not only because of he was on Friday Night Tykes and I used to love that show, but also <laughs> because he basically told Tom, Tom Herman in Texas to shove it once he got offered after he decided to decommit from Alabama. have to love both of those facts. I, I must Wonderful. confess, I have never watched Friday Night Tykes. I'm not oh saying that God. I'm above it's fantastic. It, but fantastic. I have not gone down that path yet but another interesting thing about this kid is that he was injured all of last season and it's looking like he's not going to play his entire senior season so basically OU is going off of his sophomore tape here that's all they're going to have to go off of. that and the fact that he's you know what six one and very long and basically fits the bill for what Alex Grinch wants in a cornerback but uh 
Yeah, I mean, it's – but, you know, OU is not the only program that's going to be facing this dilemma. This is sort of – right now it feels unprecedented, but it feels like – I mean, he's not the only high-profile recruit that missed his junior season. Other yeah. programs are going to be dealing with this too, but it's, you know, it's definitely a unique situation as far as uh, any precedent is concerned. Yeah, I agree. And I think some Sooner fans were disappointed on the fourth when they were like, man, Jamar Cain sending out lots of things about Scooby-Doo <laughs> and Oklahoma only ended up with two commits, albeit both top 100 guys, one being probably maybe possibly the top player and then rivals 100 and everything else. Um, and Latrell McCutcheon, no slouch as well. So a big day for the Sooners. They jumped, they jumped from like what 38th to 15 or something. Yeah, like 15th that. right now. And yep. like, so a lot of schools that were trash talking OU are now probably starting to regret that because Oklahoma just got two commitments and they jumped 20 something spots. And they're like fifth um, or sixth that yeah. have a ranking at this point, too. Yeah. Because so Tennessee take, wants take to the ranking with a grain of salt because, I mean, once OU gets a lot of these guys that they're expected to get, the average ranking is going to go up as well. Yeah. So, I mean, at, there's a very good chance of this being a top five class for Oklahoma wins. I just time. don't understand schools that begin with T that – have the color orange as their primary color. Both Tennessee and Texas both were just like, <laughs> you're behind us. And it's just like, you look at their classes. You don't get to talk shit after the decade both of those programs <laughs> yeah, had. Two decades right? in Tennessee's case. Gosh. Freaking Tax Slayer Bowl winners are talking shit to OU. That, that's the point we're at right now. And it's just unbelievable because Tennessee, again, they have, a, they have like filled out their class. Like it's, they already have over 20 commitments, and 13 of them are three stars. So, like, the more OU recruits and a lot of the guys left on the board are four stars and some five stars, I probably would stop talking if I was Tennessee. Texas, they always, like, in, like Texas always out-recruits OU, right, Steven? Uh, most most years, yes. I'd say three out of four years at least. But and OU is beating at, Texas at three point, out of four years. It's just the Texas fans that say like, "Oh, well, man, you sure you sure don't do a lot with all that talent you're getting." And it's just like, <laughs> man, you have won ten games once in eleven years, in like four net four conference championships in a since ninety eight, or not even four, like two since ninety eight, and you are really just talking a I lot. Mean, of yeah, them. it's I think Red Dirt Sport pointed this out. They have seven conference championships in forty years. Jeez, man! A, a place with the resources Oof. of Texas should have twenty seven <laughs> instead of seven in, in the Oklahoma, forty year period. Oklahoma's I mean, five and five. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's unbelievable. With Alabama, just based on how many resources they have in state. See, that's what oh, I'm yeah, saying. Of course, Texas has the most resources out of anybody in college football they have all the facilities they have all the donors they have all the money and they have all the players in austin they they have like they're in the literally in the smack dab in the middle of texas they can recruit anybody and they still fall flat on their face despite recruiting in the top 10 almost every single year it's amazing to see it and latrell mccutcheon like what made it even better (laughs) about him just shitting on texas getting like the Texas players already angry was that he's also from Austin. So it makes it even more the sweeter that he would do all those things. Uh, Caleb Williams with Trauma Kutchen both do the horns down in their commitment videos and on their commitment. So fantastic stuff. But moving on to Ivy league schools, 
of course it's Ivy League. They're very, very intelligent, which should say something about this next move, is that they are intending to move all sports, including football, to the spring of 2021. And I imagine the Patriot League, which the uh, military academies kind of fall in line with, really, I imagine they'll start to do that too um, once all this stuff. It's just the beginning of July. We're one weekend of July. Three weeks later, we are heading up into August. And I'm just really curious what July 31st is going to look like. So let's say league-wide, everybody's like, you know, all the conferences are going to say they're trying and they're trying and they're trying for a fall season. But let's say, as our good friend Brady Trantham has said, since the beginning of this, kudos to Brady Trantham, who works in the franchise and does a million other podcasts. Brady's a good dude. Um, since the beginning, he said, season's going to move to spring. and so. With that said, if Oklahoma did play in the spring and if every other conference did play in the spring, let's say it begins in the late February, what is the impact on that just in general? And then we'll get a little more specific. Steve, what do you think? Or whatever, Jack, whatever. Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. I think the first thing is you look at the players like a, like a Chuba Hubbard or something. Um, that guy wants to make it to the NFL. He might as well just sit out that season that close to the draft. I think of I think of Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey, I, I, exactly. Yeah, one. Jack, what do you think? There's a lot to think about here. One, you know, we've always been talking about the impact on the economy in Norman and stuff like that. Yeah. Let Let's think about this. If you are a campus corner merchant or bar bar owner or whatever, would you rather have college football teams play? a season in the fall with limited capacity, or would you rather wait it out until the spring and potentially play in front of a much larger capacity? Let's say if there's a vaccine or something like that at that point. I mean, it, yeah, I honestly, I mean, if, clear. if, if playing in the spring means playing in front of fans, sign my ass up. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, especially if, Hey, th- think about this too. The NFL, I think they might actually go through with this and play in the fall. I think they are. If, if they do that and then college football's in the spring, guys, we have an entire year of football back to back. That sounds yeah. pretty damn sweet. Yeah. It scares me a little bit about having such a quick turnaround, but it's like, it's like you have an off season in the beginning instead of, Oh, instead of having a football season, off season, and then into another season, it's almost like it's football, it's off season, into football season. You lay low for like a few weeks and then you go to right back to training camp. So you would think that maybe they would delay like a delay the of like a by few weeks. season, like to the beginning of October or something like that. That would be ideal because I can just only imagine how many bodies that are banged up that would yeah. that would be that would have just have a significant plus i mean you, the season opener is always a scorcher in norman so yeah. beginning of the season in october sounds pretty cool actually so steven would That's you be I more likely like. to would you be more likely to attend a game in the spring oh yeah 100 percent. those those uh early games are just not fun like you they're they're over by halftime for the most part and it's like 101 degrees in the stadium mm-hmm but uh, to Jack's point, I've been talking to some people, and it doesn't even sound like they're going to have fans in the stadium if there is a season in the fall. Yeah, I, 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 that's, I that's thought that. people within, within the program. Just like the way it gets, it's getting more and more, it just looks like no fans at all. And, I mean, 
I was, I, I, I talked about this on Twitter and Jody, Joey Helmer from uh, 247 said that, you know, if they didn't move it to spring, because you mentioned Chuba Hubbard, Creed Humphrey, Tylen Wallace, all guys that could go to the draft and make some money. So like, why would they risk getting injured in the spring? Right. He mentioned that, um, you know, it, a culture ball would lose so much money if they, that would, if that happened, because not a lot of people would show up in the spring. But I think, I, I think that's so not true. Um, I, I look at people love college football. People like college football more than they like the NFL. And regardless of who is playing, people will show up and people will, they'll watch because they love college football. And so like that goes to the money aspect of getting people in the stands and then like not even caring for people sitting out, but eligibility do you think? Do you foresee any sort of NCAA waiver for eligibility happening, or anything weird going on with any of that? I think they would have to, just based on what the NBA is doing, where you you don't get penalized for not playing um, in the upcoming games. So um, they can't make these these kids go in there and say, you know, you're going to play, or you're going to lose a year of eligibility. I think they even if they have a red shirt or they've used a red shirt already, they'll have to you know give them another one, whether it be medical or whatever they want to call it. What do you think, Jack? That checks out to me. I don't have anything to add there. I just, I just think that it, the NCAA, because sometimes they make good decisions and more often than not, they make <laughs> dumb decisions. And I just I get the feeling that they say, well, you know, you're a retro senior. Like, like Theo, Theo Howard. Let's take Theo Howard into an example. They're, they can say, you know what? You had your senior year and you had an available season to play. And you, sh- and if you should just decide to not play, then you will not get an extra year of eligibility. I could see that happening totally. I could see the NCAA saying, you had a season to play in. Sorry. That's you know, a good I- point. And so I, I just – the way the NCAA is structured and the way they have kind of screwed over athletes for the longest time, you know, it could go either way. And I, have, I really have no idea, but – it, it looks more and more likely, you know, and, and like we said this a while ago, it looks like, oh man, they're going to have college football. And then all of a sudden the crap hit the fan in Texas and Florida and several places down in the South and Oklahoma just hit a massive high today in cases because they're testing, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, it just, it looks like, okay, they're going to try as hard as hell. At least power five conferences are, and maybe not the PAC 12. They're going to try hard as hell to have a season in the fall, but, it's looking more and more likely a spring thing is going to happen because a lot of coaches are changing their tune to, you know what, we're open to a spring, we're open to a spring schedule, which suggests to me that it'll probably happen in the spring. Now, I've talked to several high school coaching staffs in kind of the metro area, basically that spans from like north side OKC uh, down to Newcastle. So you've got some like 6A schools, some 5A schools, and like 3A schools. And I've asked them, I said, hey, you know, like, what's the deal with football? Do you think it's going to happen at, at all in the fall? And what, you know, we just talked about with Latrell McCutcheon. I got a unanimous, I got a unanimous, you know, lesson, word, and everything else from all the coaches I talked to, they all say, no, they, they don't think, football is happening in the fall at all. They don't think any sports are going to happen in the fall. And then I asked, I was like, well, you know, what about moving a lot of sports to spring, just like college and stuff like that. And they said that there's too many sports 
and it would cut there'd be a lot of issues going on as far as like you know players that or like that play soccer uh, that play baseball and all these other things and cross country and it would conflict too much in the spring and so my question is how does this affect recruiting how does like the possibility of several high schools now i think arkansas said oh high school football is being played Texas is trying to save it. Oklahoma doesn't look likely. Maybe we'll, we'll see in the next few weeks, really how education pans out, but what, what does it look like? And what are the ramifications should no high school football be played uh, from a recruiting standpoint? And Steven, I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, I think there's two points to this. I think from one, you have to trust your evaluations more than ever. Um, just because you're not gonna have that senior film. You're not gonna have those guys that emerged their senior year. Um, you say, yeah, I want that guy. Well, let's let's go ahead and pull the the trigger on an offer. And then from the from the other side, you guys kind of mentioned it. There's a lot of development um, with these younger guys, especially juniors, sophomores. They're not going to have that year of development. They're going to miss the whole thing. Um, so you're going to have a lot of guys that you know maybe the technique's not as good in the upcoming years. Uh, maybe they miss on the weight room. So um, from a player side, you're worried about kids developing on time. And then from a coaching side, you're just worried about evaluations. Jack, what do you think about high school football players, especially seniors, of course, duh, missing a year of possible just football in general? Well, it's a huge missed opportunity for guys who are sort of fringe offers for big programs who otherwise, you know, coming into this year, their offers are from Iowa State and Memphis and places like that. You have a lot of kids in the Oklahoma area who have like Memphis offers and Iowa state offers, Kansas state offers guys who theoretically with a big senior year could catch, could end up on the radar radar of Oklahoma or Oklahoma state. And this, Josh that's Jacobs. A, exactly. That's a huge mm. missed opportunity for kids like that. Like Josh so Jacobs I was think, heading to yeah. Wyoming and he ended up at Alabama. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So yeah. In Missouri, I think, or something like that before mm-hmm. that, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really big thing. I, I mean, it's probably going to benefit a lot of these smaller programs, honestly, because a few, a lot fewer of these kids are going to be poached, but at the same time, those kids aren't developing quite as much. So it's kind of, it's kind of hard to gauge, but it's going to be interesting for sure. And so again, I I think back to, and we, and we do this not because like it's an itch that I had that I have to scratch, but I, I think about what this would be like under the stoops regime because as oh, we all geez. know, in recruiting, Bob never really got past the current class. Like he might, he his staff might before Lincoln Riley might have offered some juniors here or there, but they were never two and a half classes out like Lincoln Riley is. So the good thing about Oklahoma staff right now is that they're looking at guys that are sophomores right now, and they're looking at guys that you know they, they, they probably even look at some freshmen they've been looking at guys that in 2022 and 2023 so a lot of prospects have already caught their eye and they've been able to do some scouting now of course like you guys said they're going to miss out on some guys and some smaller programs that have discovered somewhat a diamond Ryman's in the duff i almost said diamonds in the rough are going to get to keep those guys and so it's really intriguing to me now do you guys foresee and this is, I'm just talking about the college level. Do you guys foresee the possibility of like, kind of like a, cause this is a, it's a health emergency. It's, it's a national like 
health issue. It's a pandemic. That's the, that, that is very serious. Um, and I think to like natural disasters, like hurricanes, especially Katrina, uh, that really affected people as well. Do you think that players are going to be able to transfer freely after this year because of a COVID situation in that they were not able to physically visit campuses. And so they had to do it all virtually and they get, they get the campus and it's nothing like it was supposed to be like, and they are kind of bamboozled, which is a good word. And so a year later they want to switch because uh, they were promised a lot and didn't get a lot. Do you think that's possible? Basically free agency for a year that the NCAA might do that. Uh, I, I don't see that happening. That's just way too much chaos for the NCAA to put up with. Now, there will be like certain situations where, you know, guys want to be closer to home and they can kind of use that as leverage. They, you know, I didn't get a visit. Now I know that I miss home more. Um, but I just don't see like a full-blown free agency coming in like a year or two. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, it, it, this sort of goes back to our previous discussion about eligibility issues with uh, – which I mean – Will, I mean, does it seem like the fair thing for the NCAA to do? Yes. And you could I see them maybe doing it? Sure. But the way that the NCAA conducts itself, they want to deal with as few headaches as possible. And sometimes that comes at the expense of the athlete. That's fair. So I, I think this sort of runs parallel to the discussion we were having about years of eligibility. Yeah, I, I can just yeah, like – Unless you're a quarterback. Yeah, I, I keep on thinking about <laughs> Martell. Where, where is he even at? Is he still in Miami? He's, he's, he's maybe going to be the starter at Miami because their starter <laughs> from last year transferred. That makes no sense. He, he might be the guy this year. It's, you know, it's, it's hashtag Tathan season. <laughs> I remember he, he committed to Washington as a freshman – and then he was committed to A&M for so long, and then he sh- he just gave them the shtick, went to Ohio State. That Nick Starkle was asked, my dude. And yeah, he's, yeah. And then I remember when, oh, Ro- Chris Robeson was talking shit to him on Twitter. Oh yeah, because the Cedar Hill stuff. Yes. Um. And, oh man, that's fantastic. And then good old Tathan got booed in the Miami spring game last year. Just. I'm surprised there were enough people at the Miami spring game to boo him quite frankly. So that's pretty impressive. That's fair. But yeah, I I just, I just have a feeling that because a lot of players these days, they're able to go and transfer freely if they have a good reason. But I also, I just like Steven said, and like you said, Jack, I think it would cause a lot of issues and just basically be like, all right, you know, free agency, um, you know, everything's up for grabs and it would cause a lot of chaos. And I think the NCAA would want to shut that down as much as possible. But moving on to name that sooner in every one of these single players are since the year 2000. Um, so it should, you know, just give you about 20 years, of course, 19 years of players, which to in general sounds like, oh, it's not that many. And then you realize that, oh my gosh, I'm almost 30 and 20 years actually <laughs> is actually getting to be quite a bit. So who knows? Um, but the how this is going to work is I'm going to read you the description of a player. I'm not going to tell you, you know, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to tell you how tall they were. I'm not going to tell you uh, specifically um, what high school they attended or anything like that, but I'll tell you their accolades and maybe some accomplishments. And then after, after each one, I'm going to give you guys a period to think, and I'm just going to call on you. 
Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see who has that many points at the end of this. And then we can make it an ongoing thing. Next time um, we do this, we need to have buzzers at our place that buzzers we can somehow be, buzz into this. Buzzers would be fantastic. That would, that would be a good idea. So, all right. So this first one is, this Sooner is a two-time All-American. He was born in Oklahoma City, although he did attend high school in Texas. He was on the Bolitnikoff watch list several times. He did break the single-season receiving record originally set by a man named Eddie Hinton with 83 receptions, 1,425 yards, and 15 touchdowns, which smashed the previous one, which was 66 receptions, 1,034 yards, and 7 touchdowns. He doubled them up on touchdowns. This man does have a national title ring, and he was a first-round draft pick. So, take a second. But Jack, I think, is ready to, to make that. Well, this is sort of... I'm not saying that you're misleading here, but it's sort of a trick question with the national title ring thing. Is it, though? Kind of. Not really, <laughs> but kind of. It's Mark Clayton. Yeah. And he redshirted during the national championship season. It yeah, is I think Mark Josh Clayton. Norman mentioned that when we talked to him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. He did. Man, that's that was a long. Did. That was a long time ago. Uh, Josh, oh, when we got on, we got on like a Skype with Josh, and like one of us, our cameras weren't on. He's like, "Where are you guys at? I want to see you." <laughs> <laughs> it, was really, it was it was low key awkward, but uh, so basically, he forced us to turn on our on our videos. But yeah, it is Mark Clayton. So yeah, I didn't realize. I just didn't realize I knew he was really, really good. I didn't realize he broke that record so hard, I guess you might say. Um, but all right. So you guys both could get the point for this one. This next one, Steven will get to respond first. That's how we're gonna do this. This next sooner is a three-time all Big 12 academic nomination, as well as a three-time all Big 12 football team nomination. He's from Houston, Texas. He is top six in career rushing yards and top three in single season rushing yards behind Billy Sims and Adrian Peterson. He was actually drafted in the fourth round. Owns the single game touchdown record against the Longhorns in the Red River shootout. Steven, who do you think it is? In the Red River shootout. Is it Blake Bell? It is not. Jack? Blake Bell? That would be Q. It would be that Quentin would be Griffin. Griffin, Houston Tech. What what gave it away here? Is it the single game record? The last one, yeah. That was that's oh, the, that's, that's right. a big OU trivia question. Six right? touchdowns. Blake Bell from like Kansas. Yeah, yeah he's he from, from Wichita. Wichita yeah, yeah. That should have been. But yeah, all right. Well, it is two to one. Jack, you're gonna go first this next time. All right. This first team All American Sooner in everything his last year. As a Sooner, that was confusing. In his last year as a Sooner, he's a first-team All-American in everything. You look at conference, All-American lists, various ones that are out there. He's on the first team in all of them. He was a Belitnikoff Award semifinalist. So not a finalist? So not a finalist, but a semifinalist. Okay. He owns the two highest single-game receiving yard records in OU history, and they happened in different seasons, consecutive seasons. He had one very, very big season. However, he missed the bowl game, was a first-round selection in the NFL draft. Jack, who do you think this is? That would be Marquise Brown. 
is Marquise Brown. Steven, did you think he was Marquise Brown? I was leaning that way, yeah, between uh, – I guess it would be him or – I know he said it the first time in uh, 2017 against OSU because the year prior to that, D.D. Westbrook set the record against Texas. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm tr- – I'm, the other – I guess it's the other performance from Marquise Brown. That one's escaping me. Which game was that? Uh, West Virginia? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. When his, when his cousin was there, Antonio Brown? There you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a bunch of good times. All right. On to the fourth one. Steven, you're up. This one, I thought, honestly, while putting it together, I felt like it was the most difficult one. So I'm sorry you're first to go. But this former Sooner was a Big 12 Defensive Freshman of the Year and on the Freshman All-American team. He was all Big 12 first team in two consecutive years. He's from San Antonio, Texas. He broke two of Brian Bosworth's records, which are most tackles as a freshman and most tackles in a game by a freshman. So he was a semifinalist for the Butkus Award. And just a little additive, one of the more flamboyant defensive players the Sooners have had since 2000. And he was drafted in the seventh round in the NFL draft. Steven, who do you think this is? Um, did he play for Venables? I, I believe so. Question. I mean, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll give you a hint. Yes, he did play for Venables. Would it be uh, Travis Lewis? It is Travis Lewis. Jack nods be, in agreement. Be too, <laughs> Dude played on a broken big toe against Florida State in Tallahassee. Remember that when was pretty he cool. had the shark shaved into the side of his head? Yes. Yeah. That's yes. what gave it away. And I always, I always remember. The defense always... called itself the Sharks in 2011. Yeah. The whole defense did. Gosh, and then, yeah. you know, late in the year, they kind of fell apart. But... <laughs> yeah. I remember the red-white game when they had enough they had enough players to actually form two different teams. And Travis Lewis was on the white team because he came out in a white suit. And basically, it was like, yeah, if oh, y'all God, lose, y'all lose, you have to pay for our dinner. So, fan- so fantastic. I miss having enough healthy players to actually get two full squads onto a spring game. We didn't even get a spring game. We were close, man. We were. Actually, we were close to that day. <laughs> I wonder who was going to be the musical act. Do you guys know? Dixie Chicks. <laughs> which are, oh, wait, which are, which are just Chicks now. Dixie Chicks and Toby Keith on stage together. Who would have thought? Which are just now the chicks, right? Didn't they remove the word? Yes, dick they did. They did. That's just the chicks. It would have just had him been Toby Keith, though, right? Nah, Toby Keith's always an option. Yeah. I feel like. Because I know that they reached out to Big and Rich one time, and then oh, that God. fell through. So they got, uh, was it Jason Aldean? Yeah. No, 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 no. Trace Atkins, and then Trace last Ad- year okay. it was, oh. who was the guy last year? That one guy. <laughs> when, when <laughs> the guy from Clemson. Yeah, the Clemson. Oh guy. yeah. Uh why Lee can't, Bryce. Yeah, Lee Bryce. Why can't they just get okay, I'm gonna throw out I'm gonna throw out three. And I know this doesn't make any sense for for the most part, two of them, but these are three Oklahomans that have at least come up with popular songs. My number one would be Kings of Leon. Like yeah. A lot of college age students, or maybe not not anymore because I'm getting old, but a lot of people like Kings of Leon, and and they they like the brothers that are from Oklahoma. 
uh, and they're fantastic. I, uh, Kings Leon has some really good hits, but you also have you also have bands like um, oh, who, what was that one band that was like oh, it, they're like then why way I'm the same. You know what I'm talking about? No. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. They're from Oklahoma. The uh, All American Rejects. Oh, oh yeah, they're yes. from Stillwater though. They're from Stillwater. You can also get like so that may be a somewhere. deal breaker. I thought some of them were from Edmond. Oh, maybe. Do you th- do you think that? But I don't think the Oklahoma crowd would welcome that welcome them that much, and they haven't I haven't uh. heard from them in a long time. And then, <laughs> of course, my last one, which nobody would like, but they're Oklahoman in general, would is Hanson. I would oh, love God. that. Get out of here. Just play Umbop on repeat. <laughs> they they had multiple hits. <laughs> I they only remember. <laughs> I only remember Umbop. I don't hey, even they have their name. own beer now. It's called Umhops. Are you serious? Really? They do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the I think flaming they did it lips through... out there. Oh yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Damn, or Turnpike Troubadours. Turnpike Troubadours are all OU fans. And yeah, Troubadours are getting big. Like I remember when they were. Well, they're on big. hiatus right now. But yeah. it, like they pro- they wouldn't have been able to do it this year because they're on hiatus. But any other year that would be a very good pick. So in the future, Turnpike Troubadours. Might I remember be when they fun. weren't very big and like people kept on talking about like going to see a local show like in a yeah. bar or something. But yeah. I wouldn't mind them either. You know, and I, I'm not even necessarily a big fan of their music, to be honest. <laughs> Anything but honky tonk, badonka donk. Come on, man. Just like do do better. All right, so we're going to our fifth and name that sooner. We're gonna go with Jack first. And this could be one of two people. I thought about making it a little bit more difficult, but I might use this other person. Who knows? This former sooner is a two-time first team all Big 12 selection. He did play multiple positions on defense. He is from Oklahoma, which I think might give this away. He's a Thorpe semifinalist. He was drafted in the fourth round in the NFL. He still plays in the NFL. He started in both Fiesta, which 2010, and Sugar Bowl 2013 wins. Jack, who do you think this is? That would be Owasso Ram Aaron Colvin. It is a Wasso Ram Aaron Cole. Man, like you, you look at nailed Steven, it right away. Even who do you think? Did you have any idea? No, I was just gonna throw a random name out. If I didn't say he's from Oklahoma, like Dakota Austin or something. <laughs> we, don't, we don't talk about junior high kids on the podcast. But like, if I didn't throw in Oklahoma, you compare Zach Sanchez and Aaron Colvin's lists of accolades. They're very similar. Yeah, the just different years, basically. Yeah, yeah Aaron, different years. Uh, Sanchez would not have played in the Fiesta. In the Fiesta, Bowl, so. yeah, you're right. But uh, they but, did both start in the Sugar Bowl, so yeah, it's, it's pretty. A, it's pretty that odd. That was a good tandem of corners right there. Not too bad from the Sooners there. And by the way, for people that are listening, Aaron Colvin is a better cover corner than Zach Sanchez. Stephen, do you yes. agree with that statement? <laughs> um. Yes, just because his career has been prolonged by, um, you know, he's in the is he in the NFL still? He's still in the NFL. Okay, yeah, he's better. And Jack, you would also agree that uh, Aaron Colvin is a better cover corner than Zach Sanchez. I do. He was definitely more fundamentally sound than Zach Sanchez. I'm just making that. sure we're all on the same page because some people are Zach not. Zach Sanchez on is good on Twitter though. I will <laughs> he's say a really that. good Twitter follow. Oh yes, he's not afraid to mix it up. Uh, it's fantastic. But yeah, guys, a couple other things right after the break from our sponsors. We'll be talking about No Texas State Fair. 
ESPN labeling Charleston Rambos, OU's most unheralded star, and several other things, maybe just like if the season is moved to the spring and who benefits from that. But here's a break for our sponsors. A couple other things before we get off here. Pick six previews always comes up with interesting stats, interesting rankings, and just pretty just random info. That's actually pretty Speaking good. Speaking of which, plug here, the guy from Pick Six Previews was on Alan Kenny's podcast yes. last week. So go back and check it out. It was some good stuff. And if you haven't checked out Alan Kenny's podcast with David Ubbin talking about Tennessee, where Ubbs basically says he doesn't know why Tennessee is as high as they are on everything, you should check that one out too. It's really, really good. Uh, but to, yeah, pick six previews. They talk about this decade of over 1,263 teams and offenses. Only three of those teams have averaged over eight yards per play. The 2017 Oklahoma offense, the 2018 Oklahoma offense, and the 2019 Oklahoma offense. So the modern person or average person that saw that on Twitter, I imagine was like, Damn, Lincoln Riley's really good. And the first thing I thought was, damn, we wasted two national titles on this defense. Yeah. I was so angry. That's a weekly uh, shit on Bob, shit on Mike segment. I I'm need not, to bring I'm Brady not. Trantham in just for that. <laughs> but just like, yeah, I just, uh, I just don't, I just don't get, like, do you think it's possible it, that Oklahoma – doesn't have Mike Stoops right. If they just, they don't even have to have Alex Grinch, just like some random other defensive coordinator. Do you think that they actually win one of those two? Because 2019, they were never going to win a national. Title. 2017, without a yeah. question, they win it. So and 2018, 100%. and 2018. I think they win. I mean, at the least 2018 offense. I mean, the amount of weapons that I mean, I love Baker. And I love Kyler. You can't go wrong with either of them. Kyler's a little better, honestly. And I, I think that 2018 team, if the 2017 team had defense and would win it, then the 2018 team as well for sure. 2019, you're going yeah. up against that LSU team. It, it, mm-hmm. Who knows? But that LSU team was something else. But Yeah, I, I, th- I think that Jalen Hurts was not going to outgun Joe Burrow. <laughs> and the thing that bugs the hell out of me is this that Alex Grinch got the p- same exact players on 2017 and 2018 squads sans like Stephen Parker. He got them to play at a, at times an elite level in 2019. And I just like, I just hate thinking about how Oklahoma has possibly wasted one to two national titles within the last three years by having historic offenses in a historically bad defenses besides 2019. And just talking about historically bad times, there's a pandemic, which means there's no state fair going on in Texas. And so what do you think happens? Do you think, like, let's say there's football in the fall. Let's say there is. Do you think this game is played in Norman? Or do you think this game is played at a, ghostly odd kind of weird empty texas state fair to jack you had okay so carrie murdoch brought up a very interesting point about the setup of the cotton bowl stadium he was basically saying that 
a cotton bowl, an empty cotton bowl without a fair going on. It's essentially the ideal setup for a socially distanced game because they can just get right in and out. And like the way that the locker rooms and the tunnel are situated, it's basically perfect for social distancing. So I feel like that, and it would be, it's equidistant between Norman and Austin, essentially not, not completely, but yeah. basically. It's pretty so close. I, I feel like, yeah, you, I think you would play it there. Steven, what do you think? Yeah, I could see him playing there. Maybe like you go to the, the Cowboys stadium where you have a little bit more resources. Yes. Um, but either one of those two, I don't think there's a problem with playing it in the cotton bowl. I would. Yeah. If, if this was the circumstances, I'd rather play AT&T stadium and jury world. I mean, because right. especially if there's no fans yeah. thinking about what the NBA playoffs are going to be like, they, they mentioned that, Oh, because there's no fans, you're going to have so many more camera angles in different ways to film this game i didn't even think about that and so i think man like the the cotton bowl like it's so big and far away but whereas jerry world you can get right on top of the players in so many different ways that it would be intriguing i like that that but i didn't think about going to jerry world for this game if football did happen in the fall that's a good point um all right next question or next kind of topic is ESPN talked about this. I thought it was really interesting because I disagreed with them. And I wanted to get your opinion. They labeled each top team's most unheralded, and they they used the word star. Each team's most unheralded star. And they mentioned and said, Charleston Rambo is Oklahoma's most unheralded star and that people are just completely ignoring his 750 yards, averaging 17 yards per catch and disappearing in the second half of the season because Jalen Hurts was locked on a CD lamb. Um, Steven, do you agree with this? Do you not agree with it? If you don't agree with it, who is your choice for this? I'm going to, I'm on the, on the fringe for this one. I think Charleston Rambo is a really good player. Um, I think he can be a star. I just haven't seen him become it yet. And a lot of that could just be, you know, Jalen Hurts, um, you know, you said locked on the CD lamb or just refused to throw the ball. He was uh, wide open. We, yeah, we saw did. him. He was wide open so many times. Um, so I think he has the potential to be a star. Do I think he's unheralded? Not yet, because I don't think he's taken that step that CD lamb took. Um, for me, I would probably go more like Creed Humphrey, mm. one of the best offensive linemen in the country, especially at center. And I don't think he's really talked about that much. I don't, yeah, I don't really, like, I think I everybody acknowledges that he's really good, but I don't think people really talk about how important a center of his caliber is, is to an offense, especially with a freshman quarterback. Oh my gosh. Uh, Jack, do you agree with this or do you disagree? And if so, who's your player that you think is the most unheralded star for OU? Two things. Uh, no, I don't think he's OU's most unheralded star because I think that person is probably Marquise Hayes. With, you brought up Creed Humphrey. Two Steven, offensive linemen. He's huh? not getting a ton of national pub necessarily, but he's the pick for preseason All-American at his position, basically universally. Marquise Hayes might be, other than Creed, probably the best offensive lineman on this team. Right. So, he's mean. And, and, and someone who's mean, someone whose NFL upside is about as good as anyone's and someone who could have an enormous year this season. So I'd go Marquise Hayes for unheralded. But at the same time, 
Rambo, with his skill set and his ability to uh, run deep routes, now that he's finally going to be prepared, or paired presumably with uh, Spencer Rattler, we all know he's going to win the job, but someone like him who can throw a much better deep ball than Jalen Hurts can. Go, Jalen go Hurts, that was one of his biggest can go through progressions someone <laughs> who can defenses. hit someone someone who can yeah someone who's actually capable of hitting him in stride on a deep ball oh, regularly rambo sad. could have an enormous year yeah i agree i mean so he he's someone who maybe not necessarily bolitnikov finalist or anything like that but he's someone who definitely has a chance for you know first team all big 12 honors or something like that so the person who made this list is on to something, but I don't think it, it is Rambo. Yeah, I, I, and people need to remember, Rambo was a hot commodity coming out of Cedar Hill, thought right. to be a burner. And he was right on par with C.D. Lamb as yes. far as hype coming out of high school. He, he was, and we got to see his game against Tate. Tathan Martell on national TV when he burned that Bishop Gorman defense a few times. And so... Like Jack said, and, and Steven, like you guys both said, you know, Jalen Hurts, not the most polished quarterback because of what they he was told to do at Alabama. Then all of a sudden you say, oh, by the way, now you have to read defenses, now you have to go through your progressions, and now you have to actually get the ball out in stride. And, you know, because Jalen, he had such a low release, and it caused him to be half a second or a second and a half late on his throws, and they were always behind the receivers. But you guys both went – Offensive linemen right next to each other, huh? Creed Humphrey and Marquise Hayes, who, by the way, Marquise Hayes' knuckles, like, reach his shins. It's incredible. <laughs> like, just look at a picture of this man. His – the tips of his fingers, he could probably touch his toes without leaning over. His arms are so long. I'm joking, but, Lord, his arms are long. But my most unheralded star is not Charleston Rambo because of he should have earned over a 1,000 yards – this season because he was wide open more than five times it's like waving i'm open i'm open i'm open cd lamb's like triple covered and it still goes over to cd uh, my unheralded star and i'm gonna go star in the making because i'm gonna say he was very important last year and people didn't realize it and he's gonna be really really important this year deshaun white i'm picking deshaun white Brian Odom said he was the most instinctive linebacker he's ever seen at line uh, uh, as a freshman coming into campus. Um, and of course he never said anything about Kenneth Murray. Brian Odom didn't. And then you saw how much of a star Kenneth Murray was just because the freak athlete and everything else he was, but Deshaun white, another year under Brian Odom and a year of probably maybe being the signal caller. I don't know. We still have no idea what those linebackers, those two inside linebackers, who they're actually going to be. We pretty much all universally agree it's Deshaun White, Caleb Kelly, but we're not sure of their duties. Um, so I'm going to go Deshaun White because he hasn't been ruined by the old staff, the old defensive staff, like several others Thank have you. been. He has, yes, he has Sold. not. He has not had the ability or the the opportunity to, be, to re regress. He's in the Brian Odom defense, and <clears> that's the only thing he's ever experienced. I'm so happy. Um, so I think he's going to take a big step forward this year for the defense, and he needs to, honestly, quite frankly, to have a successful year for the Sooners. So with that said, we've talked about spring ball because the possibility looms larger almost like every uh, every week. It gets talked about more and more about coaches saying it went from 
no, we're gonna have this, we're gonna try hard in the fall, we're gonna try hard fall. And now it's becoming well, we still want in the fall, but we're open to spring, which means it's probably gonna happen in spring. So let's say the season is moved to spring. Let's say it begins in late or mid to late February. Okay. And Jack, I'm coming to you first on this one. Who what team overall benefits most in the Big 12? And and why, why not? And maybe who benefits most in the Big 12? So maybe overall team and overall player. Well, obviously the first program, you know, I cover Oklahoma football. So the first program that comes to mind here is how it will benefit Oklahoma. If you play in the spring, you potentially get Jaden Hazelwood back. Jaden Hazelwood is someone whose upside is as high as any receiver this program has ever seen. And I am including C.D. Lamb in that discussion. He, he is that good. And if having him on the field, considering OU's current depth, if they have to play in the fall at receiver, depth at receiver is a bit of a concern right now. Mm-hmm. So you potentially get back A, Jaden Hazelwood, and you have a full-strength Theo Howard, someone who is a proven commodity at another school. Plus you have an entire fall to get the replacements for Neville Gallimore up to speed, the replacements for Kenneth Murray up to speed, and the repla- people who need to step up at corner now that Parnell Motley's gone. You know, our cornerback depth at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. not great at this point as far as experience is concerned. Yeah. You're going to have to probably rely on Eaton and Dennis at some point this year for reps. They're not going to start, probably. You'll probably go with Trey Brown and uh, Jaden Davis. But those two are probably going to have to play just out of necessity. So you have more time to get those guys up to speed. So I think this is definitely going to benefit Oklahoma. And as far as who it would really hurt, you've got to look to the school up north. Mm. Oklahoma State, because you could see Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace sitting out. Right. I, so. yeah. I agree. Steven, what do you think? Oh, I think it definitely benefits Oklahoma just from a health standpoint. And then also you get Justin Harrington involved whenever he wants to arrive on campus. Supposedly um, supposed to be in the next few days. We'll see. We'll see. Supposedly. Very big there. I think for the sake of just being different, I'll go Texas. Um, Texas just overhauled its complete uh, staff, both offensively and defensively. Very true. Um, so it gives them more time just to get people acquainted with what they want to do. But, yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree, and I can see why both of you guys would say that. And, Stephen, who do you think least benefits from the season happening in the spring? Oh, it's absolutely Oklahoma State with what they have to lose from from getting that close to the draft. You don't want to get – uh Chuba Hubbard lost um you know you look at him going from playing a spring season into growing right into the draft into OTAs so his his body's gonna beat up by the time he makes his first you know preseason game so if it does move the spring I see Chuba Hubbard you know he's gone Tylen Wallace is gone um you lose a lot of that offense with those two guys yeah, and, and I agree. And so if I were to say who benefits most, of course, I'd say Oklahoma as well. I mean, they're the five-time defending champs. The only thing they're missing is a quarterback on the offense, a quarterback on the defense, You in captains um, in Jalen Hurts and Kenneth Murray. And you get an extended period to really coach those guys up, get their bodies a little bit bigger and up to speed, like Jack, you said. 
And like, because the worst thing, and a lot of people are like happy about it. It's like, Oh, Oklahoma. And we saw when Oklahoma, when the Sooners returned to practice, as some people tweeted at them and said, Oh, you're three weeks behind. You're four weeks behind. And <laughs> princely. Yeah. You manually Milan or whatever, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a lot of teams. And I'm, but I'm sure a lot of teams felt that way. They were happy that the Sooners were, would be three to four weeks behind them in regard to practicing and everything else. And so if you extend it, the off season to spring, all of a sudden, Oklahoma, they're no longer behind. And you're catching up their younger guys to speed, especially guys like Spencer Rattler and other guys that can get bigger in the meantime that you need to get bigger. Um, so Oklahoma, I mean, they're reloading. They're about to they're about at the point to where they're reloading. Next year, they will be reloading. Uh, this year might have some turnover because of the quarterback stuff, but they're getting to the point yearly they will reload. And this is like that kind of last year until Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch find a home elsewhere because their recruiting has just been that good. Now, I look at who lo- looks to lose the most uh, because of uh, a spring season possibly. I could go one of two ways. I, I would wholeheartedly agree with you guys in saying that – OSU with the prospect of Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace just and, and several other a lot of other guys are seniors on that team just sitting out because they want to protect what NFL draft stock they had. I thought it was stupid Chuba didn't go in the draft last year, to be quite honest. And then Tylen followed him. And I was just like, I, no, Tylen went first, and then Chuba followed. And I was just dumbfounded by that, by the way. But uh yeah, OSU definitely has a lot to lose there because they're returning possibly their most talented team since the Brandon Whedon year where they beat Stanford in a BCS bowl game. And, uh, or I could say the other team that has most to lose is Texas because they also have a lot of experience on that team. They have a lot of seniors on that team, even though their gripe for the past, however many years, like 10 years has been, they've been really, really young, which is not the case. And, you know, you have Sam Ellinger and several other guys that, you know, they're pretty important and they are seniors and they may just decide to sit out. Um, so yeah, I would go with them or the, or the Cowboys. So basically Oklahoma, Oklahoma state and Texas, all familiar foes have the most to gain or lose by having a spring, a spring football season. Do you think there's going to be any surprises in the big 12 this year? Uh, I could just because you have an Oklahoma team that does they're replacing a lot, um, especially on offense. So um, they're they're gonna they're gonna stumble here and there, and it could cost them a game where you know maybe an Iowa State can sneak in, um, but that'd be the only thing I could see. Yeah, I mean, I Iowa State is one who's kind of a wild card because mm-hmm. you have Brock Purdy coming back, obviously pretty good. You got Brees Hall at running back. Mm-hmm. You have the uh, tight end from Norman. Why is his name escaping me right now? Uh, Kolar. Kolar, Charlie. Kolar. They have a lot of big playmakers coming back, but last year they had one of the most experienced offensive lines and most experienced defensive lines in the country, and they lost damn near all of it this past offseason. So an Iowa State program that isn't very good in the trenches probably isn't going to be quite as effective as the ones we've seen the last few years because that's been a strength for them recently. Mm-hmm. What's, so, more likely, what's more likely, Iowa State makes the Big 12 title game or Kansas wins six games? Iowa State makes the Big 12 title game. I'd still say that. I mean, I, I Kansas, like – They're getting I, better. 
they're, I like their offensive coordinator, the young guy, Dearman or Dearman or whatever it is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's pretty sharp. But, no, no, absolutely not. The defense <laughs> is going to be abhorrent. There's a chance they start the season 4-0. Steven, Steven, what do you think? Iowa State makes the Big 12 title game or Kansas wins six games? Uh, I'll go Iowa State on that one as well. Okay. I just don't that's, see that's the safer that bet. <laughs> that really is a that, safer bet. I mean, if you're if we're talking about playing in the spring and fans at the stadium, I can't think of a more fun in stadium environment for the Big Twelve title game other than an OU Texas game than an OU Iowa State matchup because Iowa State their fan base would absolutely roll out to this thing. And they're fun. And it, oh, they are they're, fun. They're nice people, actually. <laughs> they been teasing you. Yeah, I agree. When I was in the stands during the Iowa State game this past year, all the Iowa State fans near us were, like, so, so nice. They talked yeah. about how nice the OSU fans were, too. And I was just like, you guys are great. And, like, when they were about to win, and they should have won, <laughs> um, they were just, like, really, really nice about it. And they're like, well – Thanks for hosting us, guys. And I was like, they could, they could see it, it's <laughs> fan bases that have low expectations are always nice. Unless it's, you're it, Baylor, it, the one. Well, see, Baylor has high <laughs> expectations because they've never been there before. You know what I mean? They got a taste of relevance, and they got addicted. Yep, and then they had their humble pie, and then they had Matt Rule. Baylor did not deserve Matt Rule. That's true. Matt Rule is an American treasure, and Carolina is going to be better for having him. I agree. He's fantastic. But, no, I uh, I absolutely despise Baylor fans. But uh, that's all I got, fellas. You guys have anything else? Um, I guess recruiting is probably still going to be a hot topic moving forward, especially with Caleb Williams on board now. Um, it's pretty simple. It's the names that you've all heard. Tristan Lay, uh, Mecca Egbuka. Um, Brock, uh, God, what? Why can't Brock? Bryce Foster, sorry. So yeah, Bryce mountain. Foster. Yes, the mountain, the mountain. We'll just go with that. Um, all names you're familiar with. Um, it's just with Caleb Williams on board, it gives them momentum and gives them more, um, more leverage for them to jump on board. So in the coming weeks, it, recruiting should still be a hot topic. All the dominoes, all of them. Jack, do you have anything else? Just shout out to the dog I'm getting this weekend. We're getting our dog down in Dallas, Archie, Archibald. What kind of He's dog a is he? Schnauzer. Oh, that's right. You said that last time. Yeah. The little, He's adorable. Uh, Cute as a dog. Button. Little old man dogs with mustaches. That's yep, what they look That's like. correct. Yeah. yeah, that's why we're calling him Archibald. You know, we're anticipating him looking like an old man at some point. So Fantastic. we have to give him a suitable name. What color is he? Black. Black. That's yeah. going to be a good Very slick. dog, a good boy. Oh, but yeah. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Really appreciate all of you guys for listening to the podcast and especially all our new listeners that we've gained, you know, during the pandemic and people that are returning to work and listening in the gym. And thank you guys for actually, you know, every time we we host a podcast now, we get a new review. So thank you guys for reviewing that. If you're a new listener, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. We just really appreciate you guys for listening to us this entire time since we've been on a hiatus, really, of football since spring. Um, you can, guys can follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. A lot of content dropping every single day. 
You can follow Jack at J. Larry Shields or the account at CC Machine. I'm at Cam Robbie and CCM. You can follow Steven at OUUpdatedSB. Um, Steven, tell them about the Discord that you have. Yes, we have a Discord going, a Discord server. It's just basically a, uh, it's a weird combination between like a forum and like a, a chat room. So um, we have over 100 members. It's always going. We're talking recruiting. Uh, we're talking football, whether it be Big 12, NFL, OU, whatever you want to talk about. So we have a bunch of channels in there for you to enjoy. Um, it's basically going like 24-7 right now. Yeah, it is always moving forward in some fashion or another. So if you want an invite, Stephen drops him occasionally, or you can just ask him for one, and it's pretty simple. But other than that, guys, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, run iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Google Play, anywhere you can get one. Just go ahead and give us a five-star review. We really appreciate it, and we will check you guys later.